Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still going to be damaged. everybody welcome to this week's edition of the still real to show episode number 612 for november 4th 2021 welcome to this week's edition of srtu i'm one half of the show i am jeff peck joined every single week by my host the one and only dr trey franklin dr trey how are you feeling after your surgery my friend i mean uh it, it's been an adventure um like I was telling you off air, it's really fun to try and live life when uh, only four fingers on your left hand are usable and your right wrist is not usable. Uh, it, it, it may think. Listen, I was just really glad that nothing happened in the world of wrestling this week. That way we could have a nice, easy podcast. Nothing's going on. We could just ramble about anything we wanted to. And then today happened. Yeah, so uh, funny enough, I saw around the afternoon today, WrestleVotes on Twitter, who is never wrong, said that there's going to be a small amount of releases today. And I usually do a bunch of show prep beforehand, get the Twitter ready, you know, write-ups for the show, what am I planning, I'm talking about all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I'll hold off. I'll hold off here and see if any of the releases come in. I had some errands to do. I come back around like 6 p.m. East or so, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll start putting this together. Literally, when I got done, the releases started funneling in. And at first, they were like really minimal releases. It's like, oh, that's a shame. Oh, that's a little bit of a surprise. That's a surprise. And then it was like, what the fuck is WWE doing? <laughs> like, that's the progression of it again. So let's get into it. WWE released, and for WrestleVotes, who is never wrong, uh, I don't think a small list of releases is 18 people. So uh, 18 releases today, they were made due to budget cuts. According to WWE Talent Relations head, John Laronitis issued a company-wide email this evening saying that they were due to budget cuts. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful rele- uh, reported. The names are, some of these are familiar, some are not. Katrina, Cor- Katrina, well, let's try that again. Katrina Cortez, who had a very brief storyline on Raw with, uh, I believe it was Kalisto, like two years ago before the pandemic. She was like the masked luchador uh, female star 
uh, Zaida Ramir, not well known, Jeet Rama, who I think just wrestled on NXT 2.0 not too long ago, Jesse Kamea, that was sad to hear because she's been in NXT for what feels like forever now, like six or seven years, I want to say. She was on the um, Robert Stone brand, which is going to have some troubles now. Trey Baxter, who uh, was, what was what was his name on uh, the indie scene, Dr. Trey? Qu- Christian? Yeah, Blake Christian. Blake Christian, uh, who's well, extremely talented. Yeah, well, super And super well-known here in the South. He's wrestled all over Tennessee, Georgia, like all over this area. So super talented kid. And his girlfriend is Cora Jade, who's getting some time on NXT 2.0. Yeah. Shakir, Ember Moon, amazing talent, who is you know now available, immediately helps the AEW women's division, like immediately comes to mind if that's the choice that they go to. Frankie Monet, the now Ty Valkyrie again. Very sad to hear that. The real-life wife of John Morrison. That was a surprise. Oni Lorcan, not really surprised because he's wanted to be released in the past, and now he's finally released. Harry Smith, who didn't even re-debut at all. Yeah. Gone. Never re-debuted. Nia Jax, former Raw Women's Champion, was part of the uh, the women's main event matches at WrestleMania 34. She's gone. Mia Yim, who... Never really got going after Retribution. Uh, Eva Marie, who just came back. Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik, who were reportedly asked for the release. And now here comes the shocking ones. Uh, B-Fab Brianna Brandy from Hit Row. Scarlett Boudreaux. And then the two big ones, who at one point, less a little more than a year ago, were headlining NXT TakeOver in the championship match. Keith Lee and Karrion Cross. Dr. Trey, what the fuck is WWE doing? Uh, um, you know, a lot of times I can kind of paint a rosy picture or, or kind of come up with some reasoning behind these. And, and some of them, honestly, yeah, I, I can come up with some good, some good reasoning. But, you know, when you look at Scarlett and Karrion Cross, like I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I think I've said in the show, I'm not the biggest Karrion Cross in ring fan. I like his personality, or but, you know, sometimes the matches are a little. But damn it, they created one of the best entrances in NXT and then with Scarlet and, and Cross and, you know, nothing. Keith Lee, one of the most charismatic people to walk through a WWE door the last decade. And they're like, hey, we should give you a manager and, and rechange your entire gimmick and call you a Bearcat. Rawr. You know, it's like Amber Moon, who's just a great talent. And they put her in NXT and they're like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get you back in the main roster. Half the main roster sucks compared to Ember Moon, and she's not on there. Frankie Monet, who you just signed, who's one of the best female wrestlers in the world, and now you're moving on from her. Like, I, I don't get it. They talk about, we need new blood. We need you know people that are must-see attractions. And, you know, most of the people I just named off are people that I like to watch on television because they're really freaking good at this thing called professional wrestling. So, I mean... You know, Eva Marie being released, I'm not heartbroken about that. At least we got Dewdrop out of it, and, and Piper Nivet's a fantastic worker. Uh, you know, Jeet Rama, like, I, th- I think he just uh, wrestled uh, Sefa Salah on NXT 2.0. That was the that was his debut match for Sefa on that. And so he, like, so oh, he, uh, yeah. Solo? Solo? Yeah, yeah. Jay, uh, the Usos' brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I think Jeet is who he wrestled. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's, that was who. Yep, you're right. Yep. So, like, I get some of the minor cuts. I mean, the Oni Lorgan thing, 
I mean, Oni's fantastic, but he never fit into what a WWE wrestler was going to be, and he's probably better for, you know, the Indies and Impact and, and maybe AEW, but, you know, but when you look at, like I said, you look at Karrion Cross, you look at Keith Lee, you look at Scarlett, you look at Frankie Monet, and you look at um, Mia Yim, who's fantastic, you know, so these people are people I like seeing on my TV and are, are good at their jobs. I mean, Nia Jax is surprising in the sense of maybe who her family family lineage is, but I mean, most people have bitched about watching Nia wrestle for five years, so I don't know why they're upset. You know why people get upset now that she's getting released, other than you don't like to see anybody lose their job. But you know, I don't really know if you can actually say she ever got better from where she was five years ago to where she is now. But you know, the other people I mentioned are, are people that you can build a company around. And they're just like, nah, we're good. We'll stick to the people we got. We we got we got Veer and Shanky. We're good. Don't worry about it. Let's take a look here at um, some of these names, and this is kind of shows you the the golden age of NXT and how it transcends over to WWE. Like if I the the quote main roster. If I was, it just goes to show you how WWE is completely changing their their model on on talent okay so i'm taking a look here at the list of nxt champions history and i'm literally doing this while we're on the show here so forgive me here so the 14th nxt champion of all time andrade cn almas no longer with the company in AEW. the 15th the person who defeated andrade cn almas alice black no longer with the company release in AEW. the 18th NXT champion in history, Adam Cole, no longer with the company, didn't wasn't released, left on his own course, uh, signs with AEW. What's that? It was rumored to be repackaged as a manager. Correct, and which is something that was uh, made fun of by John Silver on AEW Dynamite this week. I guess that's something yeah. that's taking place on um, on being the elite. Nineteenth champion Keith Lee released today. Uh, no longer with the company. Karen Cross, the 20th, no longer with the company, released today. And he was also the 22nd champion of all time as well and released from the company. So, uh, you know, I don't know what to say here, Dr. Trey, because everybody's saying online, like, and I hate that phrase, but they are. Karen Cross and Keith Lee are, from our standpoint, on the outside looking in, your stereotypical, quote, Vince guys, right? These big, burly wrestlers who can go. Keith Lee, ton of charisma and talent overall. Karen Cross, great for his character, right? Like, that seems like a Vince guy. It, we heard that Triple H, like, loved both these guys. Like, what gives here? Like, why are they, along with the other talents that I just named, specifically Andrade and Alistair Black, why are they not with the company anymore? Like, NXT should be a breeding ground for the next crop of WWE stars. And WWE, and this is when NXT was like in its golden era. WWE did a real shit job transcending them on the main roster to make them successful. They should not be released today. Yeah, I don't know if it's ego or what. Like, if if Bruce and, and John Laurinaitis doesn't, don't make you stars, then we don't want you. I, I really... I don't get it because you can go back to that list and you can go off that list and you just think about there's been what 23 NXT champions I think altogether and 
how many can you say made a huge impact on the main roster? Four, five, maybe out of twenty-three. You know, it's like it's you know Biggie and Seth, and then after that is like it takes a little while to get to a big. You know, you got Kevin and Sammy. Um, so that's four. Balor five, Shinsuke six, Joe seven. So like a third of your NXT champions have made an impact. That's not what you want from a training, you know, promotion, a brand that you're trying to grow your next group of talent out of. If only one out of three of your top champions level guys make even an impact on the NXT or the main roster, you're not doing your job properly. So there, there's a disconnect. And it's something you and I have been talking about for the better part of a decade, that there's a disconnect between what the main roster wants and what NXT grows. And it just sucks because, you know, most of us who are diehard wrestling fans have said for years, NXT is the better show. NXT is the better show. But yet when they go to translate to the main roster, it's, it's almost like there's like this weird ego factor that gets in where, Oh no, we got to rebrand you. We got to repackage you. We got to come up with some other, you know, weird gimmick or something like that to get you over to our audience. Like they, it's almost like they discredit the main roster audience as being too dumb to understand what how cool NXT is we have to dumb it down for those people I, I, it, it just it, it blows me away and you know like in all transparency I, I haven't been watching Raw and Smackdown that much lately because like we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago there, there's nothing that grabs me so now it's a passive TV and no longer must see and then you're taking guys like Keith Lee can grab a microphone and entertain a crowd better than most of the guys on the main roster and you know you're just kind of bl- blowing that for him they had him beat randy orton less than a year a little over a year ago now like it, it just doesn't make any sense and then you know the keith lead carrying cross like we do a part entire podcast on that but let's take a look at like the women wrestlers that they release on nxt in nxt alone like frankie monet like, what are we doing here so the robertson brand is dead um Jessica Maya, Frankie Monet are part of that, so he's now without people. Um, not released. Yeah, not released. Uh, Ember Moon, gone. Like, who's left there in the women's division now in NXT 2.0? Well, I mean, you got Toxic Attraction. You got EO and Zoe. Uh, Which Zoe is now hurt. Yeah, you still got Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez. So, I mean, you got a good top layer, but you now you just lost a lot of your depth and, and once again like something like Frankie Monet Frankie you could put her in the middle of the women's division or the top and she's fine in either position but like something like Frankie Monet it was great in the role she was in because she was working with a lot of the younger girls to help them get better in the ring and now you just lost that you know that veteran presence in a locker room full of young talent so who, who's guiding them other than I'm not really sure who's in charge of the women's division in NXT, like who the trainer is, but you know, but you're losing that important veteran voice that can go, Hey, you know what? I noticed this in your match. Try this or add this or this little tweet and it can just make all the difference in the world. And in losing somebody like that, this in Ember's the same way and just really sucks that, that they don't see that right now. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this now at length since the, since the whole pandemic, right? I mean, this is like the third or fourth time that WWE, maybe even more than that, has like had these big, you know, release parties, for lack of a better term, terms here. Uh, 
what I mean, what's the direction of WWE right now, Dr. Trey? Because it is telling sometimes when you see these releases. Like, there's some that are money-wise, right? Like Karrion Cross and Keith Lee. Um, but then there's some that make you wonder if WWE's changing the direction of, of who they're signing with a Trey Baxter and an Oni Lorcan and a Frankie Monet. Um, then there's, there's obvious head scratches like B-Fab. Like, I get it. Like, she's probably not the best in-ring worker, but you just called her up to be with Hit Row. I, I don't... It doesn't make sense. Eva Marie? Like, they love her, basically. Nia Jax? Say what you will, you know, on the in-ring stuff, but she's been a formidable heel for WWE since she debuted on the women's division. It, I don't... I don't understand it, Dr. Trey. And, and say what you will about, about about Nia Jax, but I think she has a ton of charisma and personality. I just don't I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I think some people fall in that category of we know they're talented, but we don't know what to do with them. And I think Nia is one of them. I think Vince always pictured her as being just a monster. And that's not her personality. Like, she's silly and goofy and you know i mean who's gonna forget the oh my hole you know line you know stuff like that like naya's a funny gal and you know there's an old saying resident that funny doesn't equal money but yet i can say that our truth made an entire career out of being funny and silly um you know the the trey baxter one kind of confused me because you're looking for young talent and this goes back even to ari sterling you know the uh alex zane of the world where it's like these are young guys who are incredibly incredibly talented that you can mold into what you want them to be but it's just because they're a little on the undersized and if that's the case why do you still have msk on your roster because they're really undersized like they're it's 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 hypocritical for them to go we want younger talent but they release younger talent you know or we want people who are charismatic but then they release people who are charismatic or we want big guys and then they release, you know, Karrion Cross or Bronson Reed. It's like they say one thing and then they do something else. And it's really confusing if you're a fan of the product to kind of go, well, how am I going to get you to invest in any of these talents that come through NXT? Because odds are they're getting released before they make a presence felt on the main roster. And then I'm just hoping they pop up on another show that I watch and could actually do what they want to do. Dr. Trey, are you watching NXT 2.0? Tonight, no. No, I mean, just in general. Have you been watching it, like, in the last couple of weeks? Uh, bits and pieces. Like, and it's back is like, I, th- I think I'm arguing maybe one of the biggest Tommaso Ciampa fans there is, but there's nobody really on that show right now. At least, you go back to, we talk about the Golden Age. You go back to the days of, you know, Undisputed Era, Velveteen Dream, all those guys. At least there's people on that show that were like, damn, they're damn near must-see. Like, I kind of want yeah. to Dream's going to do this week. I kind of want to see Chapa and Gargano are going to get into this week, or like really the only person on that show that inter- that is somewhat entertaining right now to me is the Gargano Loomis stuff. I think is interesting, and I always love Cameron Grimes, and I'm just worried now that Grimes is going to be on that next set of releases because he's you know five foot seven, 165 pounds. I, I like Braun Breaker, and I like yeah, the Creed yeah. brothers from what they're doing with the Diamond Mind. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, to me, they're almost, I don't want to say stereotypical wrestlers, because I think what they bring to the table is unique. But personality-wise and really storyline-wise, it's not must-see to me. At least I know with Gargano Loomis, 
is going to be entertaining. I'm going to get a laugh or a chuckle out of it. I know with Ciampa, I know what I'm getting with Tommaso Ciampa. I know what I'm getting, like, the stuff with Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. I just, I, I, I like Kyle O'Reilly, but I just don't know if I like this pairing of them. And, you know, the stuff with uh, with Joe Gacy. Like, I, I, I like it, but then it's not consistent. So then it's like, do I want to watch an entire show and not get that little fix of what I want? It's you know, at least I know, like, we talk about this wrestling should be written like a TV show. And if I'm going to watch a show for certain characters, I know those certain characters are going to be on there every single week. And it's like they'll do one week with Gacy and one week without, or they'll do one thing with Loomis and Gargano this week, but then not the next week. And it's like, then I feel like I'm just kind of wasting my time not being entertained on certain episodes, and the next episode's fantastic. So it's just, it's such a roller coaster ride, it's hard for me to kind of stay in it all the time. You know, we just did a show 12 episodes ago for the 600th episode looking at the pandemic era of professional wrestling. And I think it's you could say that, obviously, and we said this during the show, that like the pandemic era is not over yet. We're still living in it. And I think yeah. one thing that is building in my mind right now, and this goes back to the ROH story from last week's episode, and with all these releases, is that you can make a case that the pandemic has really knocked wrestling on its ass. Um, and not in a good way. Like, I think WWE programming has improved. Um, there's some stuff about Raw I've liked lately. I think SmackDown's been very solid. I like the direction of NXT 2.0. But when you watch these releases happen, and we say this every single time, so I sound like a broken record, but it's exactly what Dr. Trey is saying. For I, like, I love NXT. I loved everything that it was about from ne the WWE Network when it kicked off to, you know, recently when they had the 2.0 launch. I like what they're doing with the 2.0 launch, but I will never, ever truly have that excitement and love that I had for NXT like I've had for anything really in wrestling. Maybe the closest could be AEW at times, which we'll get to kind of like AEW's direction lately as well. The pandemic, like, killed NXT. It It's killed the WWE business model in a way. It killed potentially ROH. Other th businesses have thrived, like Game Changer Wrestling, I feel like, is, has thrived. Um, I feel like AEW has thrived during it. But you see these releases, you watch NXT, it's an extra show, it's more for the diehards, and you watch the growth of Keith Lee, you watch the growth of Karrion Cross, only for the company to release them like a year later after they're like the focal point of that show, is completely disheartening. It's completely uh, a kick in the gut. And it truly makes me um, think about Dr. Trey, like, why do I invest this amount of time as a wrestling fan in professional wrestling, right? Like, you and I are getting older. This podcast is, is hanging on, which is great. We love doing it. We love talking to one another each week, talking with our listeners. But when you have a year and a half like we've had, and a lot of the business, the way that it's been going, sometimes you're like, you know, I could be doing other shit with my time and not watching this product that's kind of treating the fans like shit, one, and two, treating the wrestlers that I invest in like crap. Like, I could watch these shows straight on YouTube clips, and that's really it. I mean, listen to what you're saying. You're like, ah, uh, I tune into NXT once in a while. Like, two years ago, that was a show that can't is can't miss. Okay. Like, do you ever feel that way? Like, you're in wrestling. Like, you're in the indie mm -hmm. scene. And, and there's definitely burnout what's going on in the world right now with everything with the pandemic. But when you get new, negative news, negative news, negative news like this constantly in this type of genre it really makes you wonder like hmm should i be doing this much longer and watching this as a wrestling fan 
Yeah, no, I, I have those moments, and that's what I was alluding to earlier. Like when you spend time investing in somebody, and you're like, man, and you know, you and I, especially you, you always bring up NXT was catching that rock band when they're in the small venues before they hit it big. And that's how I always kind of looked at NXT, same thing. Like, I'm watching Keith Lee before he breaks out and becomes a megastar. And it was literally two years ago this month that he was in Survivor Series matched up oh, with Roman Reigns and Seth Wasn't Rollins. that an awesome moment? Yeah. And then it's two years later, and he's now not with the company. And then you see Karrion Cross come in with one, like, like I said earlier, maybe outside of Taker, but, like, I mean, his entrance in NXT was phenomenal. And it just puts you in a whole different mindset. And then you see him come up to the main roster and let's dress him like a knockoff version of Demolition. You know, meets I don't I don't even know I don't I don't even know what they were trying to go with there. You know, and you're just like why? And then you see you know like we talked about before some of the, with all the talents you named off. Like why am I spending all this time watching Adam Cole grow? Why am I watching all these guys? You know, put out great four and five star matches and you put on these great NXT events and then knowing that they're never going to do anything on the main roster. And it, it is disheartening. And then you look at it around and then like, and, and the crazy thing is they had their quarterly report today. You know, it's like they, they put out their quarterly numbers and say the company's in great shape, but then they release 18 people to budget cuts. It's like, what? I don't really get what's going on and maybe it's, it's above my head and that's why I, I, I work on the independence and I help run a gutter company and I'm not working for them for, for those companies, but it just blows my mind that like people, I can look at some, I go, that's a guy that has it. That's a guy that can make you money. That's a guy that the fans would gravitate towards and love that guy. If you just put him in the right situation, like I was literally thinking about going, if they had just put him in, if they just took people in this Bearcat gimmick and put him in the hurt business, and let him be that muscle behind Lashley and with Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. And then that turn finally comes where he just lashes out and, and turns babyface against Lashley. Kind of like Rock and, and, and Farouk in the nation. You know, he's over. He's so over. People don't like Bobby Lashley. It would have worked. And it's like, no, we'll just let him beat us in love with talent and then release him. Like, it's just like they never had a plan. And I'm like, why, why call somebody up if you don't have a plan for them? It just, it just blows me away, the short-sightedness of creative in WWE when it comes to NXT talent. The thing is, is I don't think wrestling ever really recovers right now, right? I mean, it's, this isn't something that recovers like a year from now. Like, this is something that is going to take years, maybe never go down this, this way. But I think if you're a diehard wrestling fan like Dr. Trey and I are, and you loved NXT – like we did when in that golden era of it. I, I don't know if you can invest in it anymore, to be honest with you, because what makes you think that 2.0 is going to be any different than 1.0? It, it's it's a sad day for wrestling. It always is. And when these things happen, it's like the, the releases of the Keith Lees and the Carrying Crosses. And no disrespect to everybody else, but those two guys, specifically, it's because you invest so much time watching that extra show that WWE does because you love it. And you love what they're doing and what they're accomplishing down there with Shawn Michaels and Triple H and the whole crew, William Regal. Then they get to the main roster and this. It's like, what What are we doing? The fortune today. One more thing before we wrap this up. Like, <clears throat> the companies you mentioned up earlier, we talk about like what WWE is going through, what Ring of Honor goes through. 
and the growth of AEW and the growth of you know Game Changer, you know, you, you also have to factor it is the pandemic and the money cost because you look at Ring of Honor, it's you know through Sinclair and Sinclair is a publicly traded company and they have st- shock or the stockholders report reports and shareholders. WWE same thing. Now you look at you know the the Impact Wrestling. Well, they're owned by Access, which is their own TV network, so they can kind of control their money a little bit better. You look at AEW, independently owned and operated. Game Changers, independently owned and operated. So those companies can look at something like this and go, "Hey, this, we might take a hit in the short term by bringing these talents in, but in the long run, it'll make us money." Where these companies like Ring of Honor and WWE, where they have you know every quarter, they got to put out their profit margin. If the numbers aren't there. They got to cut money because otherwise they're going to lose money from their investors. And you, they can talk all they want to about how great ticket sales are worldwide and how merchandise is doing great and this is doing great. But if you're cutting, you know, people for the fourth time in, or third time, for, third or fourth time in a year, your money's not there. So I think that's one thing that people have really have to take into consideration is, is where the money's coming from for these companies because like i said if it's if you have to report to shareholders that you're not making a profit you're gonna have to keep cutting talent in order just to make the shareholders happy that's the difference between wwe now and wwe back in the attitude era when it was independently owned and operated sad day for wrestling dr trey it's uh when you ever think it's gonna it's gonna stop it doesn't right and that's that's the unfortunate world. And then everybody's like, well, you know, they'll they'll go to AEW, right? I don't think it's that easy now. Like, look at all those ROH talents that are flooding the market. I don't know how wrestling turns here, to be honest with you. I, I don't – I should I, – let me rephrase that. I don't know wrestling, where wrestling goes from here because right now, at least for the first part, like, everybody can't go to AEW all the time. And, and we've seen that. No. Like, they don't take every WWE star. They take a select few at this point. And there's obviously some that are on this list that will end up on AEW television at some point. But they don't take everybody. But there are also going to be ROH stars that are out there. Jay Lethal, Bandito, Rush. Like, is WWE going to sign them now? I don't know how they can consciously sign these folks, being that they just let really good talent go. So I think the days of like, oh, no, you know, they'll land on their feet. I hate to be the bearer of bad news here. I'll be the Grim Reaper. I know Halloween's past this, Dr. Trey, but I don't think it's that easy right now. I, I don't. I think this is this is a tough time to be a professional wrestler, and it's not getting any easier. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if, if if I'm looking at that list, if I'm AEW, there's only three people on that list I sign. And if I'm Impact, I pick up maybe three or four, but then that leaves the rest of them open to the independence. And that's what's going to – the trickle-down effect is those talents that don't get picked up by AEW or Impact now flood your independent market. And so all those guys who are looking to get that push and get signed to that AEW deal, or get, now you're getting pushed back down because the, the Oni Lorcans are coming into the market and then the Trey Baxters are coming back into the market. And, you know, like all those guys are coming back in the market. So it's going to push everybody else back down until it ever cycles back up again, if it ever does. Just saw this news come through. Recently released WWE Talent announces appearance in GCW. GCW has announced that Blake Christian is returning to GCW on December 4th, a month from today, when his 30-day non-compete ends, the now former Trey Baxter. Ironically enough, that literally just came through as we were talking about it. Um, Yeah, there it is. I mean, indie indie wrestling is going to have a lot of talented stars back on there. Hopefully wrestling can kind of pick itself back up heading into the winter months. 
Um, we go from one sad story to another here, unfortunately. Um, it was announced on Tuesday night that John Moxley has entered an inpatient program for alcohol treatment. Tony Khan tweeted the following. John Moxley has allowed me to share with you that he's entering an inpatient alcohol treatment program. John is a beloved member of the AW family. We all stand with him and Renee and all of his family and friends as he shifts his focus to recovery, Khan wrote. John is making a very brave choice to get help, and we're embracing his choice and supporting him however we can. I'm pr- proud to call John a friend, and like many of you, I'm also a fan of Mox and look forward to a time in the future when he is ev- eventually retur- ready to return to the ring. Until then, thank you for supporting John and respecting his privacy at this time. If you or a loved one need help, please reach out to SMHSA's National Helpline, 1-800-662-HELP, Khan wrote. Dr. Trey, nothing but love and respect. As John Moxley has made a very courageous decision to go into inpatient alcohol treatment. Ironically enough, it was the day that his book was released. Highly anticipated book. I can't wait to wait to read that. Um, just positive thoughts going his way and his to his family right now to uh, to help him in his recovery from alcoholism right now. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's brave to take that step. And and I don't know about you. Did you watch that match he had with him in uh, ten from the Dark Order? I did. Uh, yes. Did you find that match kind of uncomfortable at times? I think that was the shtick he was going with, though, because they had done the same thing to Wheeler Yuta a week prior, yeah. and it was setting up to that Orange Cassidy match, I felt like, because Orange Cassidy was um, like like out of character, like staring at Moxley, like, what the hell is this guy doing type stuff. Yeah. It was just it was a weird – like, I watched that, and I'm like and – I, and I know Preston Vance. He's a good kid. And I just I kind of watched, but also I was like, it's it, it just one of those things where it kind of blurred that line. I know what you're saying, because he went, yeah. he he gashed the hard way. Yeah, and then the way he just kind of stormed off through the crowd, it wasn't like Mox will like at least slap hands and and acknowledge the crowd, but that that didn't happen. And so I was kind of like, it just seemed like he was extra pissed off. If that makes sense, I th- I like, thought it was his character, but you don't know, right? Sometimes, right? It's yeah. like blurred lines. Yeah, and so that's why I was like, when I read this, I'm like, maybe that was kind of like somebody going, "Hey, Mox, are you cool?" And it's like, no, and then you know, but the fact that he's taking the step is is really big, and you know, we've had too many tragic incidents in wrestling over the last twenty, thirty years. That's like, man, you know, if you if you need help get help i mean and nobody's gonna in where we live in now like nobody's gonna bash you like we live in a much nicer times than we did back in the 90s like if, if somebody in the 90s was like man i'm going to alcohol rehab people would like give them crap for it like oh you're a pro wrestler that stigma's gone you know we all i, I used to tell people all the time like you don't get into the wrestling business unless you have something a little bit off in your head like there is a weird sense that you enjoy getting out in front of a crowd and basically getting your ass kicked for their entertainment. Um, so we all have something a little bit off. And if you can recognize it and get it taken care of, it makes you a much longer, happier life. So uh, kudos to John for, for stepping out and taking care of this, especially with the, with the new baby and everything else, man. Like, this, like you don't get that time back. And you want to have your head on right to, to, to spend time with your family when, when you, you know, can do it at the, at the peak of your physical prowess. Yeah, it's um, it's a very, very courageous and brave decision. Obviously, as a young baby girl, a beautiful wife, great family, great job right now. Um, nothing but love and respect to Moxley here. And, and hopefully this kind of opens the door to people who weren't sure to make this type of move. I think it 
this is this is eye opening. Such a tough guy like John Moxley to make this decision. Hopefully, he's he's aiding someone who was on the fence, being like, okay, well, if Moxley's doing it, it's okay with me. So, obviously, some real stuff there, real heavy stuff. Not much more we could add, but nothing but love and respect to John Moxley and his family right now. Um, Dr. Trey, we are two months removed since AW All Out, one of the best shows we've ever covered in the history of this program. And I simply got to ask you, has AEW road, flattened, or killed their momentum? Let's look at last week's Dynamite, 941,000 viewers. This week's Dynamite, 878,000 viewers. I think last week they were up against the World Series. This week, no World Series. There's basketball on, but that's really it. Now, two straight weeks, under 1 million after coming off of AEW All Out and a massive amount of momentum. Have they rode it? Has it flattened? Or have they killed their momentum since AEW All Out? Where are we standing on this? I, I guess I'm playing neutral here. I'm, I'm kind of like, I think they just kind of rode their momentum because they haven't capitalized on it, but it's not dead. But to me, it's kind of like they flatlined. Like, in, in All Out was kind of their WrestleMania sense where, like, they reset rivalries and feuds coming out of it. And some of the, like, we talk, we talk about, like, some of these rivalries I don't get and personally could care less about. Um, you know, and then so to me, it's just like I, I like watching Dynamite, but I mean, there's been the last few weeks, nothing's jumped out of me where I was like, man, that was amazing. Like, there's been some good moments, but like, nothing's really been like, oh god, I got to make sure I watch Dynamite next week. Um, and that's where I kind of feel like they're they're just kind of right, kind of coasting until they get to their next big build up or something. Because right now, like on paper, there's really not a whole lot where I'm like, yeah, I have to see this. Everything's kind of like. Eh, that should be okay, but nothing groundbreaking or earth-shattering or momentous heading into their next event. Yeah, right. You got full gear, what, uh, nine days away now. Um, I do feel like that the the momentum has, I guess, flattened. I guess I'll ride the middle on this one. Um, I wonder if Tony Khan's recent comments about WWE and their own product has backfired a little bit. I thought that was very arrogant and out of character for him in the last you know year plus. He was going toe-to-toe with WWE, and people were like, at least like you and I who are fr- fans of AEW and fans of WWE were like, what like, what are you doing here? You're looking real dumb. I think AEW Dynamite lost to a repeat edition of SmackDown one of those Saturday nights um, as well. So I, I want, like, is there a possibility that Tony Khan's comments kind of backfired and people were seen through his BS a little bit because time and time again, their viewership doesn't look great, but then he touts like the viewership of the 18 and 49 group, which is a bit silly. Yeah. I mean, to me, I look at like, okay, if you, if, if you run down the, the, the rivalries they're building right now in AEW, I, I just don't see anything there. Where I'm like, Oh my God, I have to see how this plays out. Like some of them are good, but like I, to me, Omega page, they missed the mark by a couple months. Like, this would have been great Agreed. a couple months ago when it was hot, but now, like, you let it die down and then try to rush it back up, it just feels off. You know, you look at, you know, MJF and Darby, like, yeah, it's it's fine, but then you're factoring in now the Lucha Bros and FTR, and they're like, well, he paid FTR to, to like, his hit, man. I'm like, they're in the same freaking group. It's not really like you paid them. They're in the same freaking corner, you know, grouping, so... It just you know Malachi Black and and Cody like all right yeah that's that's been fine for a while like Punk and Kingston I'm looking forward to the promos 
more than the actual match. Uh, the women's division with with his TBS title, like I really, I'm, I'm apathetic to who wins because at the end of the day, it's going to be like the Intercontinental Women's Championship more than anything else. It's like there's nothing right now going on. I mean, the stuff with Inner Circle and America's uh, top team. In men of the year, I, I really could care. I don't know crap about MMA, so why do I care about Andre Arlovsky or anybody else in that group? So, like, I just it just kind of feels all over the place. Like, it, and you have so much talent on the roster to put together compelling rivalries, and the rivalries they're picking aren't that compelling to me, which makes it even more confounding. Eric Bischoff recently said that uh, he's felt like the CM Punk return has been underwhelming. We kind of talked about that like a week or maybe two, three, four weeks ago now. Um, obviously, we thought that there was some smoke to that fire. It, it does feel like, though, right? I'm saying that they've flattened. I don't think it's terrible. But it does kind of feel like that AEW really didn't ride the momentum like we thought they were coming out of All Out. Like, And, and the punk stuff, Like, I don't think Bischoff's wrong there, Dr. Trey, as, as unpopular your opinion as that might be. No, I don't think he's wrong because, you know, it's funny because you and I will sit here and, and go back to the TNA days, the Hogan days, and they'd bring a new guy in and they'd immediately put him in the world title picture. You and I were like, used to bash him for it. But then with somebody like Punk, you know, I kind of want to see that. I kind of want to see Punk and Omega or Punk and right now, I want to see Punk and Adam Cole, you know, or Punk and MJF. Punk and Powerhouse Hobbs or Punk and Eddie Kingston were not in my top five. You know, Punk and Malachi Black. There's so many other people I'd rather see Punk working with right now than Team Taz or or Eddie Kingston right now. You know, Brian Danielson. We got that great match with Kenny, but then he's had some solid matches with some other guys, but it's not the rivalries or the feuds I want to see him in. So it's like you get somebody hot, and then it's like you just they're just dumping buckets of water on people when they get hot. You know, it's like, how many times do I got to see Jurassic Express and, and the Elite go at it? Like, that rivalry's not over yet? Like, this has been going on for, like, three months, four months. You know, just but some you, things but, they drag out too long, some things they run too short, and it's just, it's, I love the show, but sometimes when they put it together, I'm like, man, this is not what I don't think fans are clamoring for, especially if you're trying, now is the time to capitalize you know, if you're AEW, when you see all these cuts coming out, and that means you know WWE struggling, man, that's when you really should be going all out to try and capitalize on that momentum and get somebody so super hot that everybody has to tune in to see, and they're not doing it. That's why earlier when I said there's only like three people from those releases I'd sign, Keith Lee is one because the first thing they should do is have Keith Lee sign, Adam Cole come out, cut a promo, and Keith Lee pounce him off the stage. I literally just saw that online, like someone was saying. Yeah, like that would be the best thing. If you want to get Keith Lee super over the top of your card in AEW, you run that angle or you run or you knock Kenny Omega off and people are in, you know, some of the stuff they do is all over the place. And I'm like, it doesn't really make sense if you're trying to capitalize. The key to these shows is you have to get somebody super red hot and nobody on any of these shows is super red hot, and that's why the that's why ratings are flatlining, business is flatlining, and their momentum coming out of their biggest pay per view probably ever has flatlined as well. 
Dr. Trey, do you think a streaming service would help AEW out right now? Because I feel like they could use one as soon as possible here. I, I, I would agree in the sense of it would generate revenue because you can take dark and elevation off of YouTube and put it on their platform. But the problem is with that, where's your content? Outside, outside of those couple of shows, all the other territories pretty much have been bought up by WWE. So I don't know how much content you can really put on that platform to run it 24 hours a day, 365 days a year and keep people entertained enough to subscribe to it. You know, I mean, unless you take the approach that you and I had when we first signed for the network, which was, hey, uh, 10 bucks a month is cheaper than paying 60 bucks for a pay-per-view. Well, I mean, that's how I look at full gear, right? I mean, I don't want to pay 50 bucks for that pay-per-view right now. To me, it's not worth it with everything we're talking about. So, like, that's that that would be the one upside. But then am I going to pay 10 bucks a month for something that, yeah, I might get one event out of it that I'm into. But then, you know, on a Tuesday night when I'm bored and there's nothing on. Well, this Tuesday's a bad example because NXT. But, you know, you get a night where there's nothing really on. And, you know, that's how you end up on WWE Network half the time is you're just like, man, there's nothing on TV I want to watch. I'll put on the network and watch something. Well, if you don't have that replayability of having something to kill time with, like wrestling fans do. You know, that's why I thought this whole open door thing would work really well if you could get New Japan to offer some product over to put on that network. You can get Impact and put some stuff on there. You can reach out to some of these other independent promotions that haven't been signed. If you can get PWG to put some of their shows on, you know, an AEW network, if you can get GCW to put some stuff on their network, because you have ties in there. I mean, you've had Nick Gage on the show. The Bucks are on PWG, are known for PWG. Excalibur is on the commentary. Yeah. So, I mean, you can get some, you have connections to make that possible. If you can pull that off and basically take what Fight TV's putting out and bring that to your subscription network, then you can draw eyes to, your, eyes to that product. Otherwise, I just think it'd be, you know, guys like us. I'll pay 120 bucks a year so I can watch all their pay-per-views, all four or five of them, because that still saves me 100 bucks a year. Seems like this has been a very positive show so far. So let's try to get into something positive here, <laughs> which I don't know with the direction of it, because Dr. Trey, you said before you're not watching Raw right now. I'm catch. It's not musty. If it's if if I get home, like I'm not like rushing home to catch it because. Usually when I get off work and get home, Jeff, it's about 8 o'clock Central Time. So Raw's been on for an hour at that point. Okay, fair so, enough, fair if enough. I home, if, if I get home and, and, and the wife and kids are watching something on TV, I don't make them change it over to Raw like I used to when I was probably much more of a dick husband. But, you know, <laughs> now it's like, all right, y'all are watching this? That's fine. I, I can read about Raw. There's, I mean, I love Big E, but yeah, it's what it is. It's Once again, there's nobody captivating my attention right now. Because I watched the show this past week and the week prior, and I was like, you know what? This has been a good show lately. The Becky-Bianca title match that opened the show this past week was awesome. Chad Gable pushing Finn Balor to the limit was great. Damian Priest and T-Bar's no-DQ match was incredible. Uh, The possible heel turn for Kevin Owens was fun. The four-way ladder match from two weeks ago was a fun match. Dare I say, Dr. Trey, I feel like Raw has had some bangers lately on the show. I've like the stuff I've I've caught has been really good, and this goes back to that question that you and I have talked about with pro wrestling. I, am I in it for the in ring stuff, or I, am I in it for the entertainment? The in ring stuff has been great. 
but I don't like listening to Chad Gable talk a lot. I like watching Chad Gable wrestle, but talking, eh. You know, there are certain people that if I see with a microphone, I, I kind of zone out, turn the channel, stop listening. You know, there's not that must-see guy. There's must-see matches, but there's not that must-see guy that I have to I have to tune in to watch. So that's why, like, I can read about it and something looks good. I'll go back and you know catch a clip on on the net or on on YouTube or somewhere, and I'll watch it. And I'm like, man, that was really good. But lately, it just hasn't been you know must-see TV for me. Yeah, no, I understand that. It's it's been really good lately. Like I said, the Becky Bianca title match from this past week's edition of Raw was incredible. I know Sammy loved it. Um, He's super excited about it. He loves him some Bianca Belair. It's uh, it's one of those title matches that I, I that we've seen on Raw that it's been a long time, but was very very good. So some bangers lately on Monday Night Raw. Highly recommend people checking that out. And then uh, the last thing I want to talk about here, getting back to the negative, Doctor Trey, which is going to make us pull our hair out. According to reports, Bray Wyatt was reportedly disliked by Vince McMahon before his WWE release. This comes to us from Wrestling Inc. During his final few months in WWE, Bray Wyatt was no longer liked by WWE Chairman Vince McMahon, according to Fightful Select. The report noted that Wyatt was outspoken when he felt creative was bad, and this led to his strained relationship with McMahon. Furthermore, Wyatt and Randy Orton reportedly, quote, not happy with the creative direction of or outcome of the WrestleMania 37 match, which was changed two days before the show. It was known that the original plan was for Orton to take time off after the match, but it was Wyatt who ended up being written off WWE TV. In addition, several WWE superstars approached Orton and Wyatt and expressed to them that they, quote, felt bad about plans for the WrestleMania match getting changed. Although Orton, Wyatt, Alexa Bliss storyline lasted for more than six months, Fightful was told that there was never, quote, was, quote, never a true creative endgame for that story. The report added that WWE creative was told about frustration around the burned fiend angle, specifically the size, weight, and movement of the suit. Wyatt told WWE's writers that he believed the suit was, quote, too heavy and that he would have trouble wrestling with it. This led to the suit being scrapped in time for WrestleMania. While talent was told that, WWE, that Wyatt's release was a budget cut, it's unclear if that was specifically said of Wyatt himself. This, cre- this created a lot of frustration among roster staff and employees alike, with many reaching out to Fightful after Wyatt's release, stating that, quote, there had to be more to it, considering Wyatt was a known moneymaker. Furthermore, a consensus was that almost nobody in the company truly believed Wyatt was let go due to a budget cut, citing the Fiend's popularity and merchandise sales. Wyatt's release led to several other longtime stars worrying about their job security in spite of the pos- their positions on the card or prior pushes. Dr. Trey, reportedly Vince didn't like Bray Wyatt. What the fuck is going on with WWE? Well, like I said earlier, they, they, if, if they feel like they didn't make you a star, you kind of get that treatment. And this goes, you go all the way back to Zack Ryder, man. Like in, in his YouTube show, the, you know, the, the, the Z True Hollywood or the whatever that, the Long Island, whatever, whatever that show was called. I can't remember. It's been, you know, 20 or 10 years ago. And we were clamoring for a Zack Ryder push because he made Long Zach Island IC. Yes, yes, you know, but he made himself marketable and he got himself over with his show. And what happened? He got a push for about what a month, and then came through him off a stage, and then he'd get glimpses here and there, but never. And John Cena kissed Eva Marie in front of him, or Eva, um, yes. Eve Torres. Yes, you know, like it was just basically completely disrespected, and then. You know, for everything, you know, we've talked about like Bray, like Bray Wyatt, the character that was created for WWE got over. But you and I would sit here and bitch that, you know, he lost to John Cena at WrestleMania and, you know, never really got the big push. And then he comes up with the character, The Fiend, and it 
launches and sells all this merchandise. But that wasn't a Vince creation. That was kind of a Bray Wyatt creation. It does feel like that if it's not made by Vince or Bruce or somebody in that company, they don't give a crap about it. And to sit there and look at Bray Wyatt and go, man, like, why are we not printing money off this even more than we were? Is I mean, he was the top selling merchandise guy in the company, and they released him to budget cut, quote unquote, because that makes sense. Like, if I'm gonna, if I'm, if we're, if we're making the most money with this guy, we should let him go because the money's not right. That makes no sense. Like, you have guys who pay a salary to do nothing in merchandise sales. So it, the whole thing to this day, I don't know if we'll ever get a real story out of this as to what the actual reasoning was. But up and up until that, if that day ever comes, I don't think we'll ever know because none of it ever, none of it has made sense since his release. Didn't Bray Wyatt say like, uh, or Wyndham Rotunda now, didn't he come out and say like, he's got stories to tell. Maybe this is oh, what, what's what he's alluding yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, Lana said the same thing though, too. We still haven't heard any stories from Lana. Well, she's been out like filming this real life. Um, and I guess it was doing a movie. I, I guess she hasn't gotten around to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're doing this real life with like Vanilla Ice, I mean, you got to take that chance, right? Is he back on the show this season? <laughs> I mean, I love Vanilla Ice. I, I don't, but, and him and Dennis Rodman. I don't know. But if you, I mean, but once again, if if you're trying to stay relevant in the public eye, you like, oh, I have all these stories. Now, once again, behind the scenes. Jerry McDevitt, the lawyer for WWE, is really, really good. He could have easily come out, you know, send out a little silent cease and desist. You know, hey, if you talk bad about us, we'll take you to court. But, you know, we see the AEW guys every now and then firing off, you know, little little shots back at Vince, you know, the Miros, the Andrades, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I, I'm sure at some point when Bray Wyatt's book comes out, the Wyndham Rotunda story, uh, We'll, we'll finally hear some of those stories about Vince, but it might be after Vince is gone and there's less threat of lawsuit. Yeah, the whole entire thing is just bizarre. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think when you look at this whole show that we've done here today, front to back, and I'm just being honest, it's not a very positive edition of SRT, but there's not a lot of positivity to, to discuss here. It really makes you wonder, right, Dr. Trey? Like, why the hell do we watch this shit? Uh... I don't think I've ever seen it this bad. And I'm just saying from a like a motion feeling back, standpoint. I still go back about eight years, or about 2014, 2015. I'm not talking about the product per se. I'm talking about like just the overall feel of the business. Yeah. No, I can, and, and to me, this goes back to the conversation we had a couple weeks ago about you know, golden era of wrestling and all that stuff. Because, I mean, behind the scenes, back even during the Edge era, when you had all the stuff going on with Luger and Liz and, you know, all that, you know, the stuff with Kevin Sullivan and Nancy and Chris Benoit back in the... There was a lot of negative shit that was out there back then, too. We just didn't have the internet to really cover it as in-depth as we do now. The difference is we also had guys that were must-see on TV. And we had Stone Cold in the beer truck. And we had all those NWO stuff. Like, we had all, all this great television to kind of diffuse the bullshit that was going on. We don't have that diffuser. Like right now, it's like the bullshit takes precedence because the product is good on TV, but it's not outstanding. It's not great. It's not must-see. 
So the bullshit stuff behind the scenes is what kind of jumps out to the front because it's kind of more interesting at times. Yeah, it's um, it's a strange, strange time to be a wrestling fan. Like, and the sad thing about this whole Doctor Trey is, I just don't, I don't see it ending anytime soon. I don't see these releases not not coming to an end. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know who else you have to release at this point. I mean, that's the crazy thing because I mean, really, I mean, your your NXT locker room is down to it's basically. Chapa, Gargano, and then you know Kyle O'Reilly and everybody else is basically, you know, kind of new to the system. Main roster cuts. I mean, really, they. I mean, if they haven't cut you by now. They're probably not going to. Oh, uh, dude, come on, man. Famous last who words. Are we, who are we Would you have thought that Karrion Cross was going to be released? Based on how he was dressed, it that <laughs> one, the Keith Lee one was more shocking than Karrion Cross because at least Keith we had seen on Raw. And they were doing that weird, you know, that push, like, oh, we're about to... Dr. Trey, two years ago, a year ago, we sat here and we were like, Keith Lee's going to be a WWE champion. They gave him the moment at Survivor Series while he was in NXT with Roman freaking Reigns. It was one of the best, like, organic reactions and moments I've seen in a WWE ring in some time. Like, you felt it build and you're like, hmm. This could be like a torch passing or like Reigns likes Keith Lee and he's bringing him up to his level. Like it, it changed his career path in WWE up until they released him. No, you're up. You're right. So if you go back to that time, because oh, don't forget the, the rumble with Lesnar and Keith Lee and Lee oh, walks yeah. out and you see Lesnar go, oh yeah, there you go, big boy. Let's see what you got. Didn't like, he say like, who's this big motherfucker? Yeah. Yeah, I mean those those moments were great, but you know when you get into the pandemic era and when you see what they do when they get to the main roster, like the Keith Lee one, still surprising just based on what we've seen on TV the last month and a half. You know, you're seeing them get the nickname change, you're seeing them get these squash matches, they're trying to kind of build them back up in their image. But the Carrying Cross one, I mean, like they fumbled his call up from the beginning with having him lose his first match to Jeff Hardy, you know, and then they put him in the weird gear. And it's like, well, when they cut him, I'm like, well, that kind of made sense because they really had no idea what to do with it. We've never seen a character like Karrion Cross as far as his style on the main roster. I mean, I mean, it's a borderline shoot fighter type thing, but I don't know. It's just it, it, it makes my brain hurt, and I'm and I'm on medication, Jeff, and that's making my brain hurt. That's the crazy thing. I'm on painkillers, bro. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. It's just uh, it's been a rough year. It, it has really the last eighteen plus months for professional wrestling has been been an interesting one, and it continues with these releases. And I know every single time we're like we're shocked. There's always going to be shocking releases, but it just feels like more and more. This re- these releases have like just kicked you in the gut every single time. It's like, what are we doing here as wrestling fans sometimes investing the amount of time and love and passion that we have for this product when people that we're watching grow aren't given the opportunity to truly run with the ball like we as fans want to see them and see them succeed. So makes you wonder sometimes why you invest into it. It's a strange, strange entertainment relationship that we all have. Uh, almost abusive. At times, one may say. With that said, 
Let's get a couple of plugs and spots out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at thebowershow.com. Russell Chatnet on Twitter. And this is a relative show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Elvis Climbing Charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. With that being said, what is going on in the wonderful world of Dr. Trey Franklin this week? Well, like Jeff said, you can follow me on Twitter at the Dr. Trey. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search out Trey Franklin. Uh, when you're on Facebook, check out Rocket Team Championship Wrestling. We have another big show coming up this Saturday. Uh, so all the pictures and videos from that will be transcribed over onto uh, our Facebook page. Also, uh, I don't know if Jeff saw this on my on my Facebook page, but there's a uh, wrestling game uh, territory simulator coming out in 2022 uh, made by a company called Valderis Games. And yours truly will be in this game. Ooh. Uh, so I'll be uh, I, I'll, I'll post the information over on our Facebook page as well. But something I'm looking forward to. See how come we're similar to the old uh, the old uh, simulators they used to do back on the message board days. You know, the defense type thing, but you know, in, in a modern setting and modern design. So really looking forward to see what the final product in that looks like. Yeah, I forget what that game was. It was like a booking game. I played it. It had like the WWE roster, WCW roster, ECW roster. And like you got judged by the way that your show was booked and everything. So Go out there and put that out there on our Facebook page, drtrayfacebook.com slash the Still Real Toss Show. Uh, here we are in the coming weeks here. Next week's show, we preview and predict AW Full Gear. And we'll also look at celebrating 25 years of The Rock. Two weeks from now, AW Full Gear recap and review in our WWE Survivor Series preview and predictions on the 18th. And then we uh, close out the month with our Thanksgiving special where we recap and review WWE Survivor Series. And we also release... The holiday schedule, 2021, is coming to an end. There's not many shows left. So, uh, until next week. I know this wasn't a very positive show, but sometimes that's how the ball bounces, folks. Uh, so, next week, we'll try to do better. Or maybe wrestling will give us a little bit better to work with and mold in this clay. So, until next week, for Dr. Trey Franklin, I'm Jeff Peck. This is The Still Real Toast Show. Should I go with this pair? No. Ooh, how about these? Eh. Are you still getting ready? <gasps> the aviators. Yes. Oh, come on. First shoes, now glasses. Babe, how many pairs do you even need? Now that I work from home, I don't need shoes. Glasses are the new shoes. Isn't that expensive? Not at Zenny. Zenny offers thousands of high-quality, affordable prescription glasses starting at $6.95. How you store them is up to you. Zenny.com. I wear for everyone. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Say by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.